Today I have the pleasure of uh, hosting Manav Gag. Uh, Manav is an old friend. Uh, we have known each other for probably more than 15 years. And Manav is a very unique person. He has been an entrepreneur. He built Eka Software. And he was one of the very early people in SaaS. And I will let him talk more about it. But what is unique about him is that he's built a hugely profitable company out of Bangalore. And now he's jumping feet headfirst into AI. And he's a new role as well as not only running a company, but also as an investor. Manam, uh, welcome to the po uh, podcast. Thanks for having me, Bala. Awesome. So first tell me about the fund. <laughs> so whenever there's a fund, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this. That immediately their eyes light up, you know, dollar signs are going off. How big is the fund? Um, what is the charter of the fund? Who, who are your fund founders? Yeah. So before actually we, I come to the fund, it was the backstory of, it's just, it's not just about the funding, right? Absolutely. So, so when I, I am an accidental software entrepreneur. I used to trade in commodities. What, in what do you Singapore. mean by the accidental? So I was trading in commodities, managing a billion dollar book for green coffee trading, which we all drink to everywhere. Third, selling to people like Third Wave or Starbucks or Lubadzas of the world at an industrial scale. Wow. So I have, I have probably gone to 100 countries. Sipping coffees, coffee, selling coffee, trading wow. on exchange, futures <laughs> option. That was my day, day in, day out. <laughs> I've been bragging about being the 80 countries. So I met so, first, finally somebody who was That was my job me. and then figured out that we, I am doing everything manually. So there has to be a better system. That was a basic idea. And then I called me a few friends from REC, which is NIT now, saying, okay, how do I build a system? Basically, I went to Bangalore and I came to Bangalore. So it was a simple story. And I came to Bangalore. And since which year was that, man? 2004. Oh, yeah. So left my job, went to two years around what we call today research. So I did actually two years just research. I spoke to about 400 companies as to what has to be built to automate what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. And then I came to Bangalore, hired a team, and that's how the whole whole journey began. So, but when I came to Bangalore, the product ecosystem was very very nascent. There was hardly anything around. So people. this is before like cloud and SaaS and all of yeah. that. Yeah, that time it used to be ASP. ASP with application service provider was a very, very, very big word back then. So from there I started and my focus was to build a product company from India. And a lot of companies gave me services offers, saying $10 million contract from very large MNCs. You do services for currency management. And somehow I had this vision in my mind, I want to build product out of India. So I started my journey from there. So what has, over the years of last 15, 20 years, what has really, you know, what, uh, excites me is the uh, building products from India. So I started building it and Eka is focused on a, you know, for the audience, it's a vertical SaaS software company focused on large conglomerates like Unilever, Craftional Food and commodities, which is your oil, gas, metals, agri-commodities, right? So it was a very hard sell back then. And I had a lot of experiences where people will say, son, here is a box of chocolate. Please go home. <laughs> we can't trust you with the product. Because my product was million dollar in license back then. And no MSC would pay that kind of money. There is not possible. So I built the entire sales engine, built India as a brand, then established that we're going to invest in the long term. That's how it started. Then 2014-15 happened when the SaaS and the cloud wave came in. That's the time when I started pivoting the company from a license model to a cloud model. And that's when, that's when I met Grish as well, Grish and Avinash. And along with... So this is uh, Grish Matrabudam. Yeah, Grish Matrabudam, <laughs> Freshworks, yeah. <laughs> of Freshworks, right? <laughs> so back then, you know, there were only 40 people in the room. It used to be called SaaSX. It started with iSpirit days and converted to SaaSX. And we were all in the room trying to figure out how to build a global SaaS company from India. And I can tell for the audience transparency, none of us knew how <laughs> to build a global SaaS company from India. Because by that time, SaaS was not really a moment which it is today. So we all sat together. We said, okay, let's start discussing our problems, the mistakes that we do, 
whatever we learn and we started coming together and start building the playbooks so with avinash krish from charge pay suresh from kiss flow and grish so we all co-founded saas for me and, and and i think that is something very unique i think another thing audience might know like to have a bunch of people who are related in the ecosystem to help each other and and that might be a playbook again when we talk about ai later to be repeated in in the ai world yeah we found it really powerful that i'm sitting with balan and we're discussing okay what mistakes we made i went for the sales person i don't know how to hire him i am from a small town i can't speak english so how do we really hire a sales person so we went down to very very execution oriented problems because big vision everybody has and back then in 2014 15 india was not really there even on a product quality yeah, i remember we being in a couple of those round tables yeah. it really got down to very much like micro yeah it has been micro level details at that time so we built saas for me today saas for me is 3500 founders 3500 yeah the most vibrant community in asia and we have an annual event in 7th 8th of march in chennai as well coming up so we built that so what and now ai has come right so when grish and i were sitting in 2019 So over the course of 2014 to 19, we have funded between Greece and I about 100 SaaS companies, and it was not by design. 2014, nobody will fund a SaaS company. So people will come to us saying, "Greece and Manav, you are helping us pro bono on every single weekend. Can you put in some capital? Whatever money we made from our salaries, because we haven't got exit back then, right? We will simply put 25k, 40k, 100k sometime at best, and that's how our portfolio grew to 100 companies." So therefore, most of the SaaS companies that you see today, we are either Greece and I are investors in them, one way or other. Wow! Yeah, that's how. So 2019, both of us are sitting, and we saw. So the fund itself was kind of organic in in some. Yeah, way. it's very organic, and it's based on how do we build Olympic champions in SaaS or global businesses in India. That is the basic thought process. We were not even thinking about returns because we don't know how to manage the fund. You know, back then, it's very unusual. <laughs> investors always like think about IRR. It's all it's all personal money. So. So we gave up on buying BMWs, Merc, buying big houses. So that's what our thought process was. Okay, should I buy a big car for my family, or should I give thirty lakhs to a founder who's sitting next to me? That is a simple thought process. So that's how we actually made decisions. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> that's how it happened. And 2019, obviously, pandemic happened. 2018, right? All of us thought SaaS is going to get dead, cash flow get impacted, but opposite happened, right? Digitization became 10x. Microsoft team came in, and so many other things started coming together. And SaaS really became Fortune 500 to Fortune 5 million game. So that was actually inflection point for SaaS. 2018, just to give you some numbers, but 2018 we had only about 800 SaaS companies. In 2023 we have 3,500. Wow. So we have grown four times in sheer number of companies that we have produced. Wow. Because now every single startup requires a SaaS software, accounting software, email software, basic CRM software. So you start a company with typical five five softwares. Uh, if you are mid-sized company in the US, you are using anywhere between hundred plus software. Wow. A large company will use somewhere around thousand plus. You know, browser stack sells for five dollar, ten dollar. Yeah. Everybody uses it to test yeah. on multiple browsers. So many marketing softwares exist, yeah. all on a hosted model. So that's when we thought, okay, now we are providing help. Probably we should give a larger capital so that we can create this into proper wave. So that's the idea of first fund was germinating. That how do we convert our portfolio into more institutionalized approach? And it was not supposed to be a big fund back then. We said, okay, we'll start with ten million dollars, put some of our capital, some of the friends and family, and start institutionalizing this. So they, our friends, got to know, and they said, okay, take our money. So a lot of founders from the ecosystem are investors. You know, from Anish from Capillary, Ritesh from Bajaj Stack, you name it. We have a lot of founders. And then the executives from the Valley got to know. They said, okay, said take our money. So one third of the fund came from all these executives who really feel for India, and are only. Uh, request to them was that we don't need your money, we need your time. Mm. So whenever found 
founder finds want a time, you should be available on a call. Obviously, we will monitor it so your time is not wasted, but we need your expertise and time because India needs that. Phenomenal. Then the VCs got to know. So a lot of VCs are investors in our fund, Indian VCs who are friends. And then their LPs got to know. So institutional capital start coming <laughs> in. And before we know, the first one therefore was $85 million. And that's how the name Together also came. Together means taking the ecosystem along. We'll take everybody along. <laughs> so it's a Together Fund as the name of the fund. Yeah, Together Fund. So that's how the name was also born. And then we waited for Grisha's IP to finish and the fund was launched in 21. 21. Yeah. It's a great time to also launch. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time to launch. And then the second fund, so we deployed the first checks are almost deployed from fund one. Second fund is $150 million. We announced the first close in last July. We haven't started deploying from that. This is primarily going to the AI-led AI fund. And that's where the waves start coming in, right? So we investing from the first fund. First fund is about eight companies are AI companies, uh, AI first companies. So we have been talking about AI 12 months before it actually started because we could see in our operating life how AI is impacting our customers, our businesses, and our own operations as well. That's phenomenal. And I think being an operator yourself, running a business, talking to customers constantly gives you that insight of what is coming. So, so what is coming from a, from a SaaS point of view? What is coming? Because some people say AI is a hype and, you know, look at what a chat GPT and, you know, is it just like tech bros, like, you know, hyping up the, the next thing? What's your view? See, I think my view is, first of all, AI is a, as fundamental a wave as internet was. Okay. Right? I'll tell you from, from the data points. So, OpenAI crossed $2 billion in revenue. $2 billion, yeah. Yeah. In a span in of like for two, two months, <laughs> 24 months now, right? It launched in November 22. It's not even 12 months. Not even so 18 months, 18 right? months even, yeah. Uh, Spotify wrote $1 million of, of code using Copilot. GitHub itself, Copilot has $100 million plus year in revenue. Mid-Journey is $200 million plus year in revenue. So we're talking real revenue. Forget the valuation. Whether OpenAI is $89 billion or more than $100 billion, let's not talk about valuation. The real revenue is getting created. And the reason for that is, if you look at it, uh, it Bala, that every single step that we do, there is sometime 10x to 1000x efficiency, right? Where could I imagine writing a Give me an example. I'm writing a blog. I had one person or team of two people who were first writing, I will first explain to them. Then they will do, come to me. If one blog will take me at least three to four days to write. Now, I can write in five minutes. The first version is out in five minutes, even less than that, <laughs> if I know what I'm going to communicate, right? So look at the efficiency is going to create it. Phenomenal. So if you look at the way I fundamentally think about AI is, AI has first, number one, first order problem of a cold start it has solved. I can go to ChatGPT or Bard or anybody and I can, I, let's say I don't know anything about Bana. I can go and say, who is Bana? What is the background? I'll get, in one second I know. I don't have to go search and Google and figure it out. So I think it has, first of all, solved the first order problem of cold start. Cold start. I can start immediately, right or wrong? I can read and figure out. Second, I think it has solved the problem where there's an individual contributor to a particular problem statement or a work order, which is writing a blog, creating a video. So that has gone 10x or 100x efficiency, writing a draft for legal. Where I think things are a bit slow is where I have to collaborate with another person. So let's say we have to collaborate on a blog. Hmm. Then I will still have to go back and forth, take your ideas. There maybe the efficiency is only the automation part, but the communication efficiency still I have to think through. So that part is still not solved fully. I don't think we have figured it out because we're still in the very early, very early stages yeah. of the wave. So these are the early things which tells me, you know, that is going to stay for real. Now, what form and shape it takes, it's very early to say. Got it. So again, as an operator, Manav, you are looking at the, you're getting the pulse of the customer. 
So what are your your ACAS customers saying, enterprise customers are saying, hey, this is happening in, in which areas? I mean, AI is very broad, okay, applicable for marketing to coding to anything. What, what will be the top three areas where you think it's the easiest of easiest adoption? So I think it's, it's a very big thing to, it's a puzzle that everybody's trying to figure out. It's a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar question, right? So it is not easy to figure trillion out. Dollar question, or a trillion dollar question. You never know which way it's going to go, right? So I think where we are seeing success, so let's break the problem into fundamental. So I have a three stop, three step process of thinking about it. First of all, what is the business problem that you are solving? Which is focused on the use case. Second is, how am I going to orchestrate that? And third is, can I distribute it? So three fundamental ways of doing it. If I speak at an India level, right, at a national level, I think we know how to build the applications. For sure. We know the business problem, whether it's a marketing business problem or a sales business problem or a services where Freshworks is, right? Or where Eka is in automating the community supply chain, for example. We understand really well now what to do. So now if I take that one problem statement, I have to now then go to third, fourth, fifth or even tenth level of fundamental analysis as to which part of the value chain I will automate using AI. That's the first fundamental principle. Second fundamental principle is my interaction with the software is going to change Drastic. It is not more going to be any more form fills. Can the entire conversation, am I imagining an enterprise world where the entire user interface is just conversational and AI agents is going and figuring it out. So if, if it'll be an AI first way of thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, so that's my AI first. If I am Eka's product, I will say, okay, supply chain. So, you know, wheat is grown in Punjab or Uttar Pradesh in India. I have to fill the form logistics. I'll just go to the, to the interface saying, okay, I bought 100 tons from Bala at this price. Please ship it to you know, port now. Possibly invoice in Hindi. Invoice, any, any, any task, any form. And then you should just figure out, go and figure out, they should already order the truck, they should already check the quality. So that's the efficiency order we're talking about. That is the fundamental way of thinking. Now, what typically happens is that enterprises, especially the large ones, takes time to change. Because we're talking about companies like Cargill, Unilever, who are conglomerates, right? There are thousands or 100,000 plus people working for them and across 70, 80 countries. So when I'm discussing with them, what we am seeing clearly from businesses and from the CIOs is that they all want to use AI. Yeah. So that, that much you're hearing. So there's, you don't have to sell AI. <laughs> you don't have to educate, you don't have to do. They're saying, okay, Hawk, what is your AI strategy? Where can I generate the efficiencies? So the fundamental business driver for the first time is you can see that you can cut the cost. If I had 100 people filling the back office entry, right? Let's say if I have 1,000 users in a large company, they're asking, do you really need 1,000 users to enter into a software? Can, you, can it be 10x or mm -hmm. 1,000x efficiency can be generated? Second order of the problem, at least in a supply chain world, if I take that example is, in supply chain, you go back to some 100,000 documents in a transaction, right? Bill of lading, letter of credit, and things go wrong at various places, shipping documents, invoicing. So can I automate that? Can AI figure out that entire work? I, I don't need humans to do workflow. Can AI automate that workflow for me? Read the documents because quality is coming from the ground. Tell him what is wrong. Automatically go and order the ship. Why do I need human to do that? So therefore your workflow suddenly become an orchestration layer of AI agents, right? Mm -hmm. How you store the information, people even don't want to know. Mm -hmm. Whether vector database, this mm -hmm. database, as so long. Traditional ERP, yeah. how you interact, that's all back-end yeah. problem. The only thing we worry about is privacy and security. Of course. It has to be secure. It has to be private, which means all users cannot see the data. So that's the enterprise work you still need to do in AI, right? So this brings me to an interesting question. So, so what I'm hearing from you is that this is not hypeware. This is not like sort of cryptocurrency kind of a thing. This is real. 
you are seeing it, you're using it. And not only are you seeing it and using it, but your customers are telling you that. And at the, at the one point that you touched on earlier, which I think is worth emphasizing, is that as, as entrepreneurs and VCs, we just get caught up in valuations, right? We, the, the first thing when companies say is they talk about the valuation. I think we should first talk about your revenue, right? So ultimately, that's where the money is. Valuations will come. Market, sometimes right now the market is down. You know, two years ago, market was up. Two years later, market will be up. But if you actually have revenue, you shouldn't worry about valuations. And what your, your point is, OpenAI and a number of other companies, MidJourney, have actually real revenues, right? And that's a good test. Unlike the hypeware, like, you know, in blockchain or crypto and all, there are a lot of talk, but I couldn't find companies which generate like a lot of revenue, yeah. maybe a handful of them. But you couldn't find that level of volume. So what you're saying is, hey, look at the revenue, forget about, don't worry about valuation. Maybe the market is hype, maybe it's not. But that will change over time. But revenues are being generated, so this is real. That's number, number one point. Number two, you're seeing your customers, hearing your customers, talk about productivity gain. Number three, how to approach the problem. You're a first principles guy. So you are like, hey, just break down the problem into multiple steps and see where, yeah, in which step, AI can be a 10Xer or a 100Xer, right? And that's where the focus should be. But I have a question for you on this. Uh, did I summarize you? Yeah. More or less. Clearly. So yeah, I have a question for you though. So the, most of the VCs are now saying, okay, that's all great. but this sort of AI already prefer, AI has a bias for existing companies. Microsoft has a ton of data. Salesforce has a ton of data. Freshdesk uh, is a large company. Eka is a large company. You guys already have the customer. You have the data. And in this particular case, unlike a, a nimble entrepreneur, like which you were, right? You went and broke into a commodity software area existing against incumbents. But now you are the big player. But you are also ahead of the game. It's not like you are one of those old-time big players, right? Who are sitting and saying, "Okay, kuch nahi hoga," right? You are jumping ahead. You are you are investing in AI yourself, as have large companies, right? Salesforce has done it. Every large company has has the data. So the question is, if you are a startup, right, coming into break into the space, right, where is the space for them? Because they don't have the data. They don't have the money because capital to build them, customize a large language model, and so on and so forth. What is your advice to the startups? How will they get into the game? So what we've done is we've created this framework on how to think about the opportunity uh, matrix, right? So, so when you talk about incumbents, they are primarily working on existing markets, a CRM or a niche market like commodity software or, you know, HR software. But what AI has done is what I call AI first markets, the areas which were not possible to automate before AI came in. This is legal drafting. You never heard before where a job of a lawyer is getting automated to 80-90%. They still have to litigate and, and argue in the court. But drafting is automated to a large extent or getting automated to a large extent, right? Which they also don't like to do general. So Yeah. So so there are many such jobs, like same as marketing, writing, content writing, right? Content is getting automated clearly. Whether we need SEO going forward, I never know because AI is going to produce SEO focused content. It's unclear what Google yeah. search is going to look Google like. Look like right? So therefore, there are fundamental principles which are getting attacked, which we call AI first market. So that itself is a large value to be created. Second value creation is the infrastructure. Now, a entire once the application layer is getting created, think of entire AI ops, observability stack, to companies like Hugging Face, yep. which where you have to because so many LLM models from small to niche model to large language model, you don't know which one to use. This is a new problem, so it's no very clear. So there are, I would say, hundreds of such new problems where you can look at and create value. When it comes to incumbents, I fully agree. You certainly can't head on with Salesforce or this thing. But look at Salesforce ecosystem. Salesforce is a 30 billion revenue company. 
ecosystem of services is almost 3x of software. So, 100 billion dollars is the services on top of Salesforce. So, therefore, I think, and people have been talking about that, can India produce the next AI-enabled IT services company, right? Infosys 3.0, Wipro 3.0. I think that's a massive opportunity. We are doing about 250 billion dollars in services revenue today. Why can't we take care? India has about, what, 7-10% market share in services. Why can't it go down with AI-enabled services? And you can now slice and dice your segment in any which ways, right? So, there's a large opportunity to create a AI first services companies and somebody will definitely do it from India. Mm -hmm. I don't know who will mm -hmm. do it, but somebody will definitely do it, right? And it's going to be multiple players, right? At 250 yeah. going to a 500, yeah. right? Multiple. It's going to create multiple. So what will be the anatomy of a, a, a so this is a, is a wonderful uh, uh, topic, especially for the people who are listening to this, because obviously we're sitting in Bangalore here, which is the hub of IT services. And I think there is a way, I, I, I agree with you, that there can be a Wipro Infosys 3.0. How will that look like? What will they do differently? So first of all, when we so each area is different, right? If you're talking about creating a software or a product, then I think it has to you have to reimagine everything from scratch. Focus on the business use case. Look at how will you orchestrate the changing landscape of AI and use the current known go-to-market models to distribute, right? So you know fundamental thinking on where to focus on. So therefore, there what we are seeing from at Together Fund also there are so we're seeing. A, experienced people actually are very successful in fundamental things because they build businesses more fundamental way, right? Because that they belong to that generation where fundamental thinking was really important and valuations were not really that that big a thing back then. I'm talking about people who are 25 year plus experience, mm -hmm. right? Like our age people. <laughs> so they are actually getting very successful. People who have had PhD or went or have MS in deep topics. So they have been very thoughtful about problems, right? Then we are seeing very young people who are coming out of IITs, NITs, local colleges even, right? Who are, because they don't know any other better way, they are just thinking as, as it comes <laughs> and thinking of things that you never use. Completely like, fresh perspective. Yeah, like there are companies who are doing cartoon automation, right? You're talking about speaking in English, Duolingo, right? So you can disrupt Duolingo, right? How do you teach word English, right? And using AI. So there are, I would say thousands of use cases that people are trying. But a use case is not a company, right? So to create a company, we'll still have to go back to basic as to how do you distribute, how do you do the cap, cap table creation and, and funding and everything else. I think they will need help there. The people who are more experienced, I think they will have a very good chance. The people who are caught in the middle, they really have to decide. <laughs> and, and it's a genuine problem. And I, we talk about it at SaaS for me also, that if you're an existing SaaS company, which is about 5 million in revenue, 1 million in revenue, what should you do? You are one hand really scared that my even five million may disappear after five years yeah. or three years. You don't know what's coming. But it's a good business for me. I'm generating maybe a million dollars. Mm -hmm. I have a good life. You know, I can't, I have a, you know, great customers. I have a great life. And I'm doing something good for the country and for my customers. So what should I do? So that's the dilemma which I'm consistently seeing that people in the middle are asking. How should I build? What should I do? This is very fascinating. Which very, unlike other revolutions, right, which clearly favor sort of the young, but especially the mid-career. Here, some of the late-career professionals actually if they still have the fire in the belly and like Manav said, it, the startups are a long run. You don't get in there for like making a quick buck. But if you have the stamina and really the fire in the belly, actually your experience would count here. And and also the prospect of building a an IT services 3.0 play from India from a national point of view, from jobs, right? From you know, from overall industry and the talent pool here, that's going to be a that's going to be a phenomenal plus. So you're seeing interesting from what I'm hearing, you're seeing on the product side. AI first thinking, right? And of course, AI ops in general. Right? Because there are a bunch of new things to have come into the play, like hugging face and, and you know, but, uh, observability and, and, you know, so this like weights and biases, a good company which just came out of nowhere. 
Right, so there are a whole bunch of companies which Even could not have existed. Vertical healthcare, we're seeing a lot of companies, especially US B2B healthcare I'm talking about, right? Like revenue cycle management. It's all, you know, medical coding is a very manual process in the US. Claim denial rates are very yeah. high. So healthcare is very... So there are a few vertical areas which are also coming up. Got it. So either vertical or AI ops or... AI I, first. Or, or AI first product thinking. Just yeah. go first principles, go and attack a problem. So these are actually three terrific, very, very specific starting points. If you are looking for an AI idea, and I would agree with you that, yes, it's easy to sort of look and say, well, you know, you have to be either a fundamental, you know, create another foundational model or, you know, there is nothing. Microsoft is going to do everything. And that's a, that's a fallacy, I think, right? Because if Microsoft could do everything, you know. I think if you look at the numbers also, if I go by the recent reports, right? So cloud created about $2 trillion market cap. What people are projecting that AI will create five to seven trillion dollar of market cap, and software itself is going to be grow from five hundred billion to six fifty billion. That's a massive market cap. No single company is going to win. Exactly. I think I think the key point is no single company, even though the existing incumbents will do well because they have customers, they have data, but there are a huge number of gaps, and and that's a fascinating AI thesis. So just a couple of last last couple of questions. So if we were to sort of fast forward twelve months. What do you think the AI landscape will look like? What, what, will we, what will we be talking about? I think that's very difficult. So one thing I've learned in AI, don't predict anything. <laughs> Just put your head down, focus on first principle. They launched Sora, right? Text to video. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal tool, right? There were so many startups who were doing that. Pika and so many other software, you know. Runway. I just can't even believe what is possible with that now, right? <laughs> so I don't know what is coming and who is building what. So I will not even focus on 12 months down the line. I will take one fundamental problem and go so deep into that, that whatever tool comes, I can use it. Absolutely. That's terrific advice. Last question, what tools do you use? What, 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 what tools do you like, AI tools? So, I use look at demos of the tool. My usage is still, simply still Microsoft Teams for, for chat. They're putting AI into that. So that's one thing I think. That AI will become, maybe over the next five years, AI will, should become a feature set in almost every single enterprise software that we use today. So I'm still using iPhone, I'm using simple basic tools to focus on. I need more time to think. <laughs> that's fascinating. And looks like AI is going to give you more time to think. Thank you very much, Manav. This has been wonderful. Very insightful coming from you, coming from such depth. I'm sure it's going to be very useful for our, for our listeners here. And thanks again for taking the time. No, enjoy the conversation, Bala. Thanks for having me.